The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us, um, and thank you so much for your comments on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. Thank you for liking us on Facebook. That's always great to get those new likes, and thank you also for your emails and for letting me know what's happening for you in your recovery journey. It's great to hear um, what's going on for you and how you're growing in your own recovery. And I want to really thank you for participating here in the Spirit of Recovery community. Thank you also for letting your friends know about us here at Spirit of Recovery and you know, letting your friends, your family members, the people in your recovery community and your unity community, your other spiritual communities know about what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery. And I love broadcasting on the topic of recovery here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And um, it's great to know that what we're doing and the guests that we're bringing to you are really touching your heart and blessing you and giving you ideas that expand your recovery. Every week, we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We always have guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative, people who are in recovery themselves who work with or write for recovering people, and we bring you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. And you know that you can listen to us here uh, on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen through your computer. You can listen through your smart devices. You can listen live or you can listen on demand. We've got lots of great archives, and you can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery, and uh, you can listen to any of our couple of years' worth of great archives. The Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, or if you're the family member or friend of someone that's in recovery and you're in your own recovery as a family member or friend or not, but uh, whether or not you're in recovery or whether or not your loved one or your friend is in recovery, or perhaps you're just curious about the recovery process and looking for information, you just want to learn a little bit more, you're welcome here on the Spirit of Recovery, you're welcome, of course, uh, to hear the great guests that we've got and to participate if you have a comment or a question. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And over 30 years ago, those relationships got me involved in a process of uh, recovery myself in terms of being a family member and friend. And ever since then, my path has been an integration of the 12-step principles and the unity principles. And that sure does keep me growing in lots and lots of ways. So again, welcome today to Spirit of Recovery. Our topic today is feeding our soul, and my guest is Wendy B. Today we're going to be talking about the idea that recovery really is about learning to feed our soul rather than feeding an addiction, and when we live spiritually, it brings us into an ever more nurturing relationship with our higher power and an ever more fulfilling expression 
of our authentic self. My guest today, Wendy B., is a person who is in long-term recovery. She started out uh, in recovery from substance addiction, and then in that process, she found that um, as she was really wanting to experience more wholeness in her life, that led her to address uh, disordered eating issues and also to address the lure of the rat race. And so Wendy's going to be sharing with us today the many gifts that she gains uh, from her commitment to wholeness and from her commitment to living spiritual principles and really feeding her soul. So, Wendy, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful to be here today. I'm very glad you're here, Um, and I know you've got lots to share with us. If you would uh, start out telling us, how did you get into recovery uh, initially? What got you into the recovery process? You know, my my path into recovery wasn't the usual kind of, I went to treatment and then I recovered and then, you know, I lived happily ever after. Um, and, and frankly, for most people, it probably isn't like that. Um, I think my addictions probably started at a very young age, even before I started um, soothing myself with with whether it was chemicals or food or or whatever it happened to be. Um, I I always suffered from anxiety. I always remember feeling like um, something was wrong with me, like I was damaged. And so the first time I took a drink and that feeling went away, it was was miraculous to me. I mean, it truly was. Um, But the alcoholism ran in my family, and I knew that... um, probably from one of the first times that I drank, that eventually I was going to have to quit because this this just wasn't, it wasn't working out well for me. I had a lot of consequences. Um, I was a blackout drinker. And, you know, it, it didn't, um, it wasn't commensurate with who I was. That was the thing that was so hard for me is that I I had grown up going to church. I believed in God. I felt like I was a, you know, quotation marks around this good girl. And um, when I drank and the things that I did when I drank were, were so opposite of who I thought I was. So I finally, I, I believe God put a person in my life when I was 27 who happened to be in a 12-step program. And this person um, kind of shared with me their experience. And I then shared with her her experience or my experience, and then she took me to my first um, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And, you know, that is how, how Alcoholics Anonymous works. That is how a 12-step program works. It's one, one person sharing with another person. So I was very fortunate to run into someone at an early age and then started going to uh, that 12-step program. Great. And I'm curious, you'd said that, that alcoholism ran in your family, which, of course, we know now is, is pretty common. Um, had you seen other people in recovery? Were you aware of the recovery or not, um, either from your family or other things, or, or, was the, or was the concept of recovery actually new to you? That's a great question. You know, um, I, one of my parents was an alcoholic, and frankly, I didn't even realize he was an alcoholic until I was probably in high school um, because I had grown up with my father always always drinking a 12-pack every night, you know, coming home from work, having a martini, then after dinner drinking a 12-pack. I honestly thought that was normal. My father wasn't an angry person. He was a very quiet man. He had a job. Um, my mother was kind of more of the person who, who was more openly unhappy. I, I really didn't understand that my dad was an alcoholic until I had a friend whose father was in AA, and she pointed out to me, you know, do you know that your dad drinks a lot? And then I started kind of putting things together and um, I saw that, you know, he did. And I could tell that he was doing it to escape. Um, But he never did recover. Well, uh, he he quit drinking right before he passed away, but he never did get into recovery. And, And that's something that makes me sad because I think my dad would have been, would have really embraced it and loved it. So no, I, I knew about it kind of peripherally, but I didn't have anyone in my family who, who was in recovery. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. It it is interesting in the society that we live in. Sometimes now today, in a way, a lot of times people do have a general idea of recovery, but but it may or may not. We may or may not see how it might apply. You know, in our personal well, situation. absolutely, and you know, this was also quite a long time ago, and and um, you know, when this was in the early '80s, and mm-hmm. you know, yes, there were 12-step programs, but it wasn't the extent that they are today. Um, there was still a bit of a stigma, and there was certainly a stigma um, for there. There was still a stigma for women. I mean, even when I went into the program, there there definitely was this, you know, again, I, I, I mentioned it before, kind of a good girl, bad girl sort of thing. And, and I just feel everybody today is much more open about it. I mean, I think today, if, if I was going through the same thing, I probably would have found it much more quickly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you got into AA and, and began, you know, dealing with um, the disease of addiction to alcohol, kind of what what were you some of your spiritual uh, gains in that? What became uh, what was important to you spiritually as you made well, that beginning? Well, you know, it's interesting because um, the eating disorder is part of this story as well. And okay. I started um, having issues with the eating disorder around the same time I started drinking. Um, you know, in my again, in my I'll go back to my family. Um, it's, it's really fascinating to me because food was never a reward in our family. My parents were both very, very thin. They kind of ate minimally. They both were smokers. So that was kind of their oral fixation, but it wasn't like I grew up where food was, was a reward or something that I gave myself after I had done a good job on something. And and a lot of people who have eating disorders have that background where they grow up food food is used as a reward or as a bribe or something like that. Never, never had anything like that. So I started overeating because um, a boy broke up with me when I was in high school. And I just find it so fascinating that um, it's like it just instinctually started. I, I needed some comfort. I needed something to squelch the unhappiness and anxiety and I found myself getting up in the middle of the night and, and eating large amounts of food. So this wasn't a learned behavior. I didn't see anyone do it. But, you know, at that point in time, I hadn't, hadn't started drinking heavily yet. And, and I needed something to help my anxiety. So I, I continued to have issues with food all through college. The eating disorder became worse. So when I got into AA, um, Yes, I embraced the spiritual piece of it, but what happened is that, you know, I, I started working the steps. Um, I started listening to what people told me, which is, you know, let go, let God, um, turn it over to God. And I was able to do that with my alcoholism. The the craving for alcohol went away pretty quickly, but I couldn't do it for the eating disorder. And I remember that first year of sobriety, I felt so much shame because I couldn't do the same thing with the eating disorder. As a matter of fact, the eating disorder got worse. And there were so many lovely, wonderful people surrounding me that first year who tried so hard to help me. You know, what I realized today because of everything that I've gone through is that um, eating disorders are are complicated illnesses. and, And my spiritual growth was a huge part of my recovery, but there were other pieces that needed to be in place as well mm-hmm. to to enable me to finally recover. Today, staying in recovery is about, you know, continuing to strengthen my spiritual foundation. But in the beginning, um, it, it was it was tough. It was really tough. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that uh had you identified that you had an actual eating disorder early on, even before you got into AA, or or did you just think, oh, I'm just troubled by that I eat or by my weight or something, or did you actually what identify it? Is that um, when I was in college, I had my first bout of of what I now know to be depression, and um, you know, as I said, I started 
eating large amounts of food. And I quickly became, um, you know, whether I was anorexic or bulimic, I mean, frankly, it kind of went back and forth between the two. I was either purging to get rid of the food or I was, I, I was restricting. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that, I spiraled down with that pretty, pretty fast. And what happened with um, the eating disorder, this was back in a time where, you know, people had heard about anorexia, but certainly bulimia was not something that was heard of. Um, compulsive overeating, I mean, it wasn't as um, known as it is today. And I was watching a news story um, here here in Minnesota, and they were doing a story on this new intensive eating disorder treatment program at the University of Minnesota. It was an outpatient treatment program. And I didn't have insurance, but um, I was so desperate to get some help because I knew right away that, that, you know, when they described the symptomology around what people were doing with food, I knew that that was me. And I was, I was so desperate to feel better and to, to get out of this terrible spiral that I called the next day. I called the University of Minnesota and I actually um, signed up for the treatment and I, you know, got more hours at work, paid for it myself. And, and that was my first venture into um, trying to recover from the eating disorder. And that and was before AA? That was back when you were in college? That was before AA. That was when uh-huh. I was still in college. So yes, uh-huh. in answer to your question, I absolutely knew I had an eating disorder. The thing about eating disorders is that it's not like alcoholism where you can quit drinking and then you never have to drink again. With with eating disorders, because you have to eat every single day, um, there is, it's it's a, for me at least, it was a more difficult recovery and I had to go through a lot more. And, you know, what happened with my, especially with my eating disorder recovery, is that every time I went to get help, it was a building block on top of what I had done previously until finally all those building blocks led to my eventual recovery from the eating disorder. But, it, it, you know, as I said, it wasn't a, a straight path like sometimes you hear with people who are alcoholic. It, it was much more difficult. So I, I went to treatment when I was in college. I went through this intensive program, and I, I was able to stop um, my symptoms for probably about six months. And then, you know, things started to stress me out again. And slowly but surely, I started to get back into the eating. And what would happen is that it would seesaw. Like if I was really relying on the alcohol to quench my anxiety, then the eating disorder would not be as prevalent. If I was relying on the eating disorder, my alcoholism would, would kind of go away. So, you know, it was just kind of a back and forth thing. And what I wasn't learning how to do was to deal with the anxiety. And I also wasn't getting any sort of spiritual nourishment at that point in time in my life. And I really believe that that is part of the reason that it was difficult for me. I, I would, I would go to church. I would look for, you know, I tried Christian youth groups. I tried all of these different things, but nothing really gave me the relief that I was seeking, the relief that I was getting from my addiction at, mm-hmm. at that point in time in my life. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 was a, um, it, it was a very difficult time and a very lonely time, very lonely time. Hang on, Lynn Whitty. Thank you so much. It's yeah. time for our break, and thank you for what you're sharing. This is really uh, important and valuable information, and, and good, thank you for sharing it. Listeners, stay with us. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with uh, Feeding Our Soul, and my guest is Wendy B. Stay with us. Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you.
wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin, on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's Seven Habits for a Healthy Life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And if you're just joining us, our topic today is feeding our soul. And my guest is Wendy B. Today we're talking about how a commitment to full recovery um, is really essential to experience the wholeness that we want in our lives. And uh, Wendy is sharing with us about um, her recovery from um, alcohol addiction and how that led her also into a full recovery from disordered eating and all of the spiritual principles that she uses to uh, be the foundation for that recovery. So we're uh, really appreciating all that uh, Wendy's sharing with us today. Before I get back to my conversation with Wendy, I invite you to join me in a brief moment of meditation and a constructive idea in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to allow yourself to feel that peaceful presence of your higher power, to allow your mind and your heart to open and share with me this constructive idea. I let in my higher power's love and my soul is richly fed. I let in my higher power's love and my soul is richly fed. Let's take just a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to feel that deep love that your higher power has for you and to allow yourself to be richly fed. And now we're back to my conversation with my guest, Wendy B., talking about feeding our soul. So, Wendy, before the break, you were um, telling us about how um, 
actually you had started a recovery process with your um, disordered eating before you uh, actually uh, got into AA and were able to address the alcohol addiction. Um, and you were telling us about how, um, you know, dealing with an, an eating disorder is is a little different. It's you got to eat. So um, tell us some more about that, about how you got into and, and continue to progress in your recovery with the eating disorder and, and your, um, and the alcohol addiction. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, what, what was happening when I went into the, the treatment is that I learned some basic tools that I needed. And, you know, the basic tools that I, I needed were, I needed a meal plan. I needed, um, to not go to certain places that were triggers. I needed to stay out of um, certain emotional situations that were, were triggers for me. So I learned some tools. So, you know, by the time I got sober, um, I, I had tools, although I wasn't using them because I was still struggling. So for about a year, for about my first year in sobriety, um, my eating disorder was, was actually worse. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I felt a lot of shame because, I was able to do this whole 12-step thing around alcohol, but what was wrong with me? Why, I, I felt always like I was doing something wrong. Um, but, you know, I, perseverance is a wonderful thing, and I just kept on going to meetings. I kept on, I had an AA sponsor. I kept on meeting with my sponsor. But, you know, most importantly, I kept on going through the prayer and meditation um, rituals that I had set up in my life because I was told that if I did not do that, um, my, my sobriety was going to always be somewhat of a struggle. You know, there's something, something called a dry drunk and, you know, there's a lot of people who don't drink, but if they don't embrace the spiritual part of the program, um, you know, they, they are pretty unhappy. So I knew that I just needed to keep on going. And what ended up happening is I found a 12-step program for um, bulimics, mm-hmm. and bulimics and anorexics. And that was really the next building block for me. That was that next step in um, total recovery because now I was in a place with people who really understood what I was talking about in terms of being powerless over the food. So it wasn't, it wasn't alcoholics who didn't really understand what I was talking about with this food thing, but it was people who did, who were having the same struggles. And that was, you know, I look back on that, that was miraculous because I just stumbled across this group and, um, and, and I made some, some people that I'm still in contact with and in touch with today who really helped me get to that next place in recovery. Mm-hmm. Is that group just so that the listeners if they are interested in finding it is that like a national group is that like overeaters anonymous or is it different if they wanted to see if they could find that group that you know, program? overeaters anonymous has groups that um i mean bulimics and, and anorexics and people with all sorts of eating disorders go to overeaters anonymous um i know there's also eating disorders anonymous this mm-hmm. particular group was an offshoot of oa but it was specifically for people who were bulimic and anorexic. And, and I'm sure there are a lot of those types of groups around. Um, you know, and, and I will say this. For a lot of people, Overeaters Anonymous is, is wonderful. For some reason, I needed that more specific, um, you know, bulimic anorexic group. Right. OA wasn't as effective for me, but I needed people who struggled with the specific eating disorders that I had. And, um, you know, it, you know, as I said, it was, it was so, um, it was so powerful for me to find the people that really got it. And, and, and there was a few, few women in there who, um, had recovery. And so suddenly I had people that, that had recovered and who could tell me that total recovery is possible. You know, I had six months of things were better, and then I kind of fell off. So, you know, about that time, I was feeling like I'm the person who's just never going to get it. You know, I'm the person who might not ever get it. And finding that 12-step group was just, it was wonderful. It really was. Mm -hmm. What is it, and it is important, and we all know this, but can you pinpoint a little more about what, what is it that makes it so powerful to find people that really understand 
what it is that you're going through and how is how is that part of the spiritual solution? It certainly is. But what do you think it is that's so powerful about that? What was it for you? You know, for me, what it was, was um, I started to really work the steps of, of a 12-step program. And, you know, prior to that, talking to someone who was in recovery from alcoholism about the things that I was really ashamed of that had to do with my eating disorder, were that was very difficult for me because, you know, the beauty of... 12-step programs is, is when you're suffering from the same disease, you know, you don't feel that shame because they get it. They've done the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. So finding a group where when I did a fourth and a fifth step where I, you know, wrote down all the things that I, you know, all the things that, that I felt I, I needed to make amends for, um, and then giving that to my sponsor, that was what was so incredibly powerful. And then, you know, doing a sixth and a seventh step and then, you know, making amends, doing it with someone who was in that same program um, was really helpful because it really did, it, it, it alleviated the shame for me. It really did. And then seeing people who, as I said, who were actually recovering because, you know, the, the desire for alcohol left me pretty quickly. But the eating disorder, that, that hung on. I mean, to this day, if there is, if, if I'm going through stressful parts of my life, if something pops back up, you know, in terms of, of, of a, oh, you know, it's definitely that, um, well, maybe I'll skip lunch. You know, it, it's the one that's really, that was the, the most difficult for me. So, yeah, finding those people, um, that, was, that was really just hugely powerful. Mhm. Mhm. And did you say that there was is there a relapse in there that you had a relapse or um I did. Just, I did. Yeah. Um uh-huh. what what happened was um I had I had got married, had a son, um I unfortunately went through a divorce but you know stayed sober all through that and started climbing the corporate ladder. And you know as I was climbing that corporate ladder suddenly Oh, my meetings weren't quite as important. You know, um, I had I had two kids by then, and I'd gotten remarried, had two kids. They were really busy. I was busy going to soccer. I was busy going to, you know, driving around and carpooling and going to school meetings. And I had a, a job where I eventually ended up being an executive for, for an airline. And um, it, 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 it truly... I, I truly believe that because I was not going to meetings, I was not talking to a sponsor, I was not doing my daily prayer and meditation, that bit by bit by bit, um, my, my sobriety and, and my, um, you know, my, my recovery started to erode. And all of those things together were kind of the perfect storm for me to relapse. I mean, you know, not going to meetings and the job and, and all of it. And what ended up happening is that I was in uh, Mexico on a business trip. And, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I never thought I would take another drink. I never, ever thought I would do that. And I found myself in a situation where I just did it. There was no forethought. There was no, there was no um, you know, planning it out. I, I just, you know, it talks about it in the big, books of, uh, big book of alcoholics anonymous where you know you're you're you're, you think you're fine and suddenly you find yourself in a situation where you take a drink and you know that drink was a profound experience for me because what it made me realize is um that I had allowed myself to go back to that place of such great anxiety great stress and you know when I was going to meetings and I was in 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 a good spiritual condition all of that anxiety was alleviated. When I took that drink, suddenly that anxiety lifted, and I realized that, you know, I had allowed my spirituality to, to go away, and, you know, now, now it was alcohol that was helping that anxiety again. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And, you know, as I only drank for, wow, probably a few months, um, 
And then I just knew that it it was going to end badly and that I had to get back to AA, that I had to start, you know, I, I basically started over. And, and that was why, um, it, you know, it was a tough thing for me. And a lot of people who, who have relapses go through this, especially with, because I had been sober for a very, very long time. It's like you have to swallow your pride and go back and say, you know what, I'm back to square one and I need help. And it was difficult, but that's what I did. Um, mm-hmm. I went back to AA, started from square one and got a sponsor and, and started doing the things that I know I need to do. And for me, the relapse was probably, it was so, it was vitally important. It isn't for everyone. I mean, relapse is not a wonderful thing. But for me, I I needed it to happen because I don't believe I would have started going to meetings and recommitted to my spiritual growth the way that I have. And now I know I can never stop any of these things, nor do I want to, um, because otherwise I will drink again. I know that without without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, you're really you know how your situation is and what you're saying is that you're you're very aware of of your anxiety. I think we all have it, but it sounds like in in maybe it's not pleasant, but in a in a good way. Really, you're aware of it, and you're aware that I'm either the food or the alcohol is going to take it away and have no good end, or else I'm going to have a relationship with my higher power and that's going to take it away. So you, it seems to me like it's pretty clear, pretty clear. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that happened too is that, um, I, I was so wrapped up in this corporate job and my identity had become my job. And, um, I, I actually went through a, a, a bankruptcy with my company, um, the, the person who owned the airline ended up, um, he, he was convicted for a, a billion dollar, $3 billion Ponzi scheme. And, um, so the ba- the airline went bankrupt. And so for two years I was working, you know, 80 hours a week in, um, keeping the airline going and, and it, I was in marketing and it was, it was, it was very, very intense. And, you know, I, I also lost something of myself in that process. Um, it's difficult to stay spiritually connected. It was difficult for me to stay spiritually connected in an environment where, um, you know, that isn't even, it, it, I mean, basically it's about making money. It's about, um, it, it, the, the goals are just different. And I really lost myself in that. And, and it was a wonderful company and I don't regret it at all, but, but it was, I needed to make a change. And so what I ended up doing was start, I looked around for um, a position with an organization that was, that was a little bit more commensurate with who I was. And I, now I do the marketing for um, an eating disorder organization here in, in the Twin Cities. And it's, it's um it's night and day. I mean, it's wonderful to be doing marketing and PR for um, an organization that that is helping people recover, and that has allowed me to um, you know get back to really who who I am. And and it's a place where recovery is um, valued. So many of the people who work um, work with me are in recovery, and being around people like that every day is um, it's amazing. It's really amazing. We speak the same language, and um, it, it's really great. So um, that's been that's been a huge gift, just a wonderful gift. Uh-huh. You know, when you're talking, what it brings to mind is that it, recovery, one way or the other, we have to live in in. Uh, concert with our with real values with spiritual values if there's anything in our lives that we're doing that's out of integrity it's going to bite us that right uh-huh yeah that's interesting i uh, anyway i think a lot about that and just in terms of of uh our culture and our right now and so forth is that i think anyway getting far afield here but maybe we're all trying to sort of look for some deeper values and uh sort of struggling with that right now but it, it matters it really makes a difference if we're absolutely with and values. you know not everyone can can do that and and um you know there's many many people who are the most spiritually connected people i know who work in corporate america it's, you know that but for me i 
I tend to be addictive in whatever I do. In you know, even in my work, I when I was working at the airline, you know, I I worked eighty hours a week because we were going through a difficult time, but also because I I became addicted to that. You know, I became uh-huh. addicted to that intensity and excitement, and um, so. I have to watch that. You know, I I tend to have that really intense type of personality, and um, you know, I have to watch. Hang on, hang on to that. We'll talk. It's time for our break, and we'll pursue that when we come back. Thanks. Stay with us. We're talking about feeding our soul with my guest Wendy B. Stay with us. We'll be right back. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew, by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. What if you were intentional about your life? committed to having more energy and being more vibrant. Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Our topic today is feeding our soul, and my guest is Wendy B. If you're just joining us, and Wendy is sharing with us um, uh, wonderful information and her uh, open heart and and soul here about the depths of her recovery from addiction to alcohol and from disordered eating. So, uh, Wendy, before the break, you were talking about how you had had your big corporate job and gotten kind of lost in that. Um, But you were saying that it wasn't, in the end, really about the job. It was about um, how you would get lost in in intensity and that whatever it is, that that might be a tendency for you. Tell us a little bit more about that and about how that works with addiction and the way it's kind of trying to escape the self in a sense, I guess, or how would you, what's your experience with that? That's absolutely right. You know, I think there's so many of us who, whether it is shopping, whether it's um, relationships, whether it's food, whether it's drugs, drinking, whatever, um, and, and for me, even work, I, if it takes, if it allows me to escape, then I'm right there. And so I have to be really vigorously honest with myself and, um, and, and pretty aware of, of what's going on in, in my life, because 
I do tend to, you know, I love intensity of feeling. I, I, and I love that about myself. And it's also probably my curse. (laughs) You know, I, I'm a passionate person, but it also has led me down, down some paths that, that have not been good. So, you know, the only thing that I have found that allows me to stay in the present and not go into that mode of wanting to escape is, is, you know, a spiritual program, having that spiritual foundation, you know, whether that's in in a 12-step group, I also um, have have attended church at Unity Church here in Minnesota. Um, That has been wonderful because it's, it's a very open church and allows for, it's very welcoming to people who are in 12-step programs. That's what I love about it. And um, so, you know, I have to continue to do all of those things in order to stay, you know, really present and really honest in, in my recovery. Otherwise, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go find something else that relieves that anxiety. Right. What is it about your spiritual program that helps you stay honest? Um. You know, there's a couple things that do. Um, One is um, I I had to learn to forgive myself. You know, I was so hard on myself. I was my my biggest critic. And um, I really had to learn to forgive myself. And part of that is living an honest program and being vigorously honest. You know, Usually when I would beat myself up, it was because I wasn't, you know, maybe I had lied to somebody. Maybe I had, or maybe I was lying to myself, but I I had to really become um, forgiving. And and when I did make mistakes, forgive myself for that. So, you know, that for me is a huge piece of that honesty. And, And also really accept myself for who I am. You know, I am an intense person. Um, I'm not a color inside the lines kind of person. I am, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not, um, as my daughter tells me, sometimes I can be horribly embarrassing to her. (laughs) So, you know, and I, but I accept that about myself and I've really, you know, that, that's a huge key for me is really accepting myself for who I am. And that, you know, that, that does keep me very honest. You know, also for me going to meetings, um, you know, whatever whatever 12-step program it happens to be, because I, I still do attend a couple different 12-step programs, going to meetings keeps me really honest. Um, when I am in those rooms and talking, um, you know, I know my sobriety is contingent on that, and I know that, you know, other people's sobriety is aided when when I'm honest or when all the people in the rooms of, of these 12 step programs are honest. So, you know, that's a really important piece of it as well. And then I, I have to continue with my prayer and meditation because, you know, that, that is the time when I connect with, with my higher power. And, you know, there's no room in that relationship any anymore for dishonesty. There's no room for um, doing some of the things that I used to do that I used to just compartmentalize and not, I just don't want to think about that. You know, I, I can't do that anymore because I, I know from experience based on that relapse, but that's just going to end me back in the relapse. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, you said earlier that because of that relapse that it, it felt like you, I mean, there were some really, really important things that you learned from that. And and maybe part of that is the, the quality of your spiritual life. Could you tell us some more about that? Like, what did you learn from that relapse uh, about the importance oh, of the spiritual. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the relapse for me, and I always am hesitant to, to say that because everybody's journey is different and relapse is not, you know, the answer for, for, for everyone. But right. I am Don't so grateful Don't do it to learn that. something, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am so grateful for that because, um, because it showed me that if I don't, if, if I'm not in a spiritual place and constantly um, working on that, I am going to eventually end up using again, whether it's, it's drugs, alcohol, food, whatever. I'm going to end up there. So my relapse showed me that. It showed me that I am, I think because of that, you know, intense personality I talk about, that I'm also the kind of person who needs to be intensely involved in, in a, a 12-step program. 
you know, I, I can't go to one meeting a week. What I've learned is that I need to go to a couple meetings a week. I need to have a sponsor. I need to be actively involved. And that helps all areas of my life. It's no longer about drinking. It, it's, it's about all areas of my life. It's about being a good mom and being a good friend and being a good employee and, you know, being a good wife and, and doing the things and being the best Wendy that, that I can be. And um, I wasn't, you know, had I not relapsed, I could have, I could have maybe stayed in some sort of limbo. Like, you know, maybe I would have quit again, but, but I wouldn't be happy. You know, I mean, it's all about finding that joy and living in that joy. And, and that certainly isn't every day, but you know what? It is, it is a heck of a lot more than it was. And, you know, I am, I am so grateful for that. I am so grateful for that. Right. And, and, you know, back to kind of how you started your story with, you know, you talked about that you had had a lot of anxiety even growing up and that you'd had some experiences of depression. So how, how is that now for you at this point in your recovery? You know, that's a great question. What, what I found um, is that there are a lot of tools. I talked a little bit about tools and for me, I needed to utilize some, some tools, the tools of the eating disorder recovery, as well as, you know, I have gone on medication. I believe that, you know, for some people, that was such a huge help for me. I do know that for me, there's a chemical imbalance in my brain and that from time to time, I've had to go on medication. That has been a, a godsend. That has been a, a huge part of my recovery because I don't know that I would have been able to, you know, when you're in a depression, it's difficult to even move. What, what medication, it, you know, when I've, I'm not on it all the time, but when I've had to go on it, it has helped me get to a point where I can get back into prayer, meditation, meetings, all those sorts of things. So, you know, there's been some, some things that have helped me with the anxiety and depression that then allow me to enhance, it, it enhances my spiritual growth and, and enables me to even you know, even start that growth. Um, so, you know, that, that's been a really good thing. And I have, I have been in therapy from time to time, um, not for a number of years, but, you know, everyone has issues and I think therapy is a wonderful thing as well. I work for, you know, an eating disorder treatment program and, you know, we've got some amazing gifted people who are therapists who have helped so many people recover from eating disorders and it helped me, you know, it really, really helped me. So, I, I utilize those tools whenever I can. It, it, I have to have that spiritual base, but there's other things that I do when I, when I start to feel some of those old, my old friends, anxiety and depression, um, you know, start to come in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's really um, helpful because in a way I think it's all, that's how I frame it. It's all spiritual. It's a way to, uh, anything that helps us love ourselves more or helps us to be more joyful or, you know, have more good relationships. I think it, I think that is spiritual. I think, you know, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's interesting because I've seen a number of therapists and each one has, has really embraced the idea that, um, the spiritual piece of this is, is, is an absolute that without it, 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 it makes it, so difficult, if not impossible, to find a really serene recovery. And I, for me, it was important to find a therapist who believed that, you know, some people who, who, you know, thought along those same lines because I need that in my life so desperately. Mm-hmm. So, Wendy, as we're wrapping up here, what final words of wisdom would you have to share with us about full recovery and about nourishing our souls? You know, what, what I would say is that I, because my path was, you know, I, I had a relapse. It took a long time for me to recover. But, you know, always hang in there. I mean, there were days where I thought, my gosh, I don't think I'm ever going to, to you know, feel joy again. And, you know, I hung in there with, with the, the program and with prayer and meditation and with just hanging in with the God of my understanding. Um, and, and it has all been worth it. So, you know, perseverance is a good thing, especially in, especially in your spiritual program. And, you know, I'm so grateful for it. I am so grateful that, that, you know, I didn't just say, you know what, this is crazy and I'm done. I mean, it, 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 I've made it through and if I can make it through, anyone can make it through. 
All right. Well, Wendy, thanks so much for being with me today here on Spirit of Recovery. And thank you so much for hanging in there and for being who you are and uh, for coloring outside the lines and for uh, sharing with us all the, your wonderful experience, strength, and hope. It's, it's just been a real joy to have you today. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. All right. Well, listeners, have a great week. And um, I know that you are, have been inspired by all that Wendy shared. And we'll be back next week with Spirit of Recovery. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you're seeking? Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time for The Bible Alive, exploring your spiritual roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Pop culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be, and that it can be fun to explore, too. Milena Dawn, Stacey Macris Ross, and Scott Pomeroy will be your amateur cultural anthropologists, examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Rev. Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. 
The world is waiting for your truth transformation only on Unity Online Radio. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify. 